for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. But without faith it is impossible to please him, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. I'm Chris Algramson. Thank you for joining us on this wonderful Sunday. It's a beautiful day, and I pray the Lord has blessed you mightily this weekend, and that you just are truly enjoying your life. I want to make sure you know we have a website, truepatriotministries.org. I'd like for you to go visit and and check it out. Check out all the pages we have uh, outside of the homepage. We have a podcast page uh, where all the podcasts are listed out, and you can go in and listen to them on the webpage if you want to, or you can connect to your favorite podcast app and listen that way. Uh, we have a blog page where all the notes are added so that you can go in and if you're listening to a podcast, but you want to be able to see all the scriptures and the notes that I have on it, it's right there. You can go in and find the appropriate one, pull it up, view it for yourself, and be able to see the scriptures. They're all right there. We have a giving page. We have a page called Reach Out. Reach Out is nice. If, you, uh, if you're having some issues where maybe you're feeling suicidal or you just, you're not feeling good about yourself, you're not in a good place, there's some contact numbers on there you can check out. And then uh, we have the neighborhood page. Neighborhood page is one of my favorite pages. This is the page I put links to my favorite ministers to listen to, uh, stores to buy uh, Bibles and, and books and resources from. And, you know, just all around a good place to go in and, and just find different things. I really enjoy that. We have a contact page. We have the about page. Contact page, feel free to reach out to us. Jump on the con- the contact page. You can connect with us there with a form in the page. Or if you want to, you can hit us up at our email address, which is reachout. That's R-E-A-C-H-O-U-T at truepatriotministries.org. You can connect with us there. We put out podcasts. I do a five-minute, uh, what we call a ministry short. And every Wednesday, it's on our favorite scriptures. And then every Sunday, I put out a full-length episode. Now, we're in a series right now called Faith, Hope, and Love. And this is the third episode of this series. And this is Exploring and Understanding Faith, Part 2. So some of the things that we've gone over in the past, uh, past episodes are faith, hope, and love, the fact that they're bound to each other. And where one of them is, so are others. So even though they don't carry the same uh, importance or the same weight 
throughout Scripture, they're connected, and and they're all together right there. And and some of the proofs of that is is First Corinthians chapter thirteen thirteen. It says now and now these three remain: faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And in First Thessalonians chapter one verse three, it says, "Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patient hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father." And in First Thessalonians chapter five verse eight, "But let us." who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. And so you can see those three verses, it has faith, hope, love, all in all three of the verses. Now, what is faith? And and that's that's a large question, to be honest. According to Scripture, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if we look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and I'll do it in the Amplified this time, it says, Now faith is the assurance. It is the title deed. It is the confirmation of things hoped for, of things divinely guaranteed. And it's the evidence of things not seen. It's the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. That's so good. Remember, spirit first, physical last. That means things begin in the spirit and they manifest in the, in the world, physical. They manifest in the flesh or in the physical. Now, most of the time, we use our faith for ourselves, whether it's faith for finances, faith for healing, faith for uh, seed time and harvest, for rebuking the devil, okay, the power and the authority through Jesus to rebuke the devil, for these kinds of things. That's a personal work, okay, and that's taking faith, our faith, and coupling it with an action, a work, and and performing it. Now, there are times, though, when we are going to uh, use our faith for things other than us, Typically, this happens when we are doing things for the Lord. And we need to be aware when we're hearing from the Lord or we're being led by the Spirit that we're verifying what we hear with a couple of different places in Scripture, at least two different Scriptures, if not three, uh, verifying. And if you can't find them in the Scriptures, if you're getting a message and you think it's from God and He's telling you something, but you can't back it up with anything in the Word of God, it's probably not God. And we don't want to be deceived because the the devil, he knows Scripture, and he can use familiar spirits to entice us into things or to um, lead us into believing something that is just simply not true, to deceiving us. That's what he does. The other thing is that if, if you can, and I found this myself, if I can do it in the natural meaning that I don't need God's help to do something, then I'm probably really not hearing from God. It's probably just my spirit telling me I need to do something. So it's a couple of ways where you can verify, you know, am I truly hearing from God? Because typically what happens with God is if he's going to give you something to do, it's bigger than you. 
and it's going to require his help to do it. And uh, like I said, we just want to verify it is indeed him, and he's not going to get mad at you. It's our responsibility. That way we don't get misled. So we've been talking about faith, and I want to step into faith in action. And we know already that faith without works is dead. It's of no value whatsoever. So let's take a look at some faith in action. And I want to use Abraham because Abraham, he was the man. So let's look at him for just a minute. Let's look at Genesis. And I'm going to cover chapter 22. And I'm going to do two, the first two verses. And then we'll jump down to verse 7 and go through 13. And it reads, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Something of note here. First of all, he knows us. He knows our kids. He knows it all. There's no surprise for God. Okay. God's testing Abraham here. He's saying, take your son that you love. I know that you love him. And I want you to go there, and I'm telling you right now, you're going to offer him as a burnt offering. Well, to us, that sounds pretty gross. But let's let's lay the foundation here. Well, let's let's move on, and then we'll get back to the foundation. So let's go to verse 7. It says, but Isaac spoke to Abraham. So at this part, Abraham's already told Isaac, he's already told Sarah, hey, we're going up on a mountain. And Isaac says, to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And Abraham said, here I am, son. Then Isaac said, here's the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? So Isaac knows how this works. We got fire, we got wood, we got no lamb. How are we going to make a sacrifice? And Abraham, his father, says to him, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place that God had told Abraham to go. So Abraham built an altar right there and arranged the wood. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on the wood. Then Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now, he, I want you to get this. He was fully committed to what he was going to do. And I'll explain to you how he, because uh, you're probably thinking, well, how could he be in his right mind, right? And I'll, we'll get to that. I'll explain it to you. So in verse 11, okay, so Abraham's there. He stretched out his hand. He's got the knife. He's ready to kill his son. And then the angel of the Lord calls down to him out of heaven, and he says, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham says, here I am. Then the angel said, do not lay your hands on the boy or do anything to him, because now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up as a burnt offering in place of his son. This is so good. This is so very good. So we have Abraham who believed in God enough that he was ready to slay his son. We have a ram in the thicket that became the sacrifice, the substitution. 
we see this example, right? And, and so we, we think, <laughs> he was crazy. Dude was going to sacrifice his son. He was going to kill him because he, quote unquote, thought he heard God tell him to do this. Well, let's address a few things first. So we see that he's willing to sacrifice his son. Well, why would he do that? Because he'd already been promised by God. Before this, God the Father had already met him and said, Look, I'm going to give you a son. You will be the father of many nations. And it's going to happen through Isaac, the son that you love. So to Abraham, who believes firmly, he's fully convicted, fully committed to God. He says, Okay, well, I know there's a resurrection to come. If God wants me to sacrifice my son, then I know he must have to raise him back up because he said that I would be the father of many nations and it would come through Isaac. And so in his mind, there's no other possibility than God is going to resurrect Isaac. And that's that. Now, because of his commitment and his conviction, his belief and his faith in God, God provided him a ram in a thicket. He provided a substitute for the sacrifice. Now, for you and me, Jesus is that substitute. He substituted Jesus for you and I. One thing I want you to see, and this is so good, God, God had a ram in the thicket for Abraham. Now, that ram didn't just mysteriously appear. God knew what was going to happen. So God had that ram on the way to the thicket before they ever got to that mountain. And I want you to know that the word of God, God's not late. He's not early. God is always right on time. Whatever we're going through, I want you to remember, turn to God, because he's got a ram in the thicket for you and for what you're going through. And that's good. I hope you receive that. Now, let's look, talking about receiving, let's talk about receiving by faith. You think receiving is not hard. No, it's not hard. But it can be challenging when it comes to the Word of God. Now, in the natural, if you were to tell somebody to go get you a bottle of water and they went and got it and they brought it back to you and they stuck their arm out handing it to you, in order to receive it, all you have to do is take it. Now it's your bottle of water. You have received the bottle of water. But if you're not willing to take it, then you don't receive it. It's the same in the Word of God. Remember, what happens in the Spirit happens in the world. Happens in the flesh. Okay? It's Spirit first, and then the world. We have to receive things spiritually in order for them to manifest in our lives physically. Some of the keys to receiving by faith is knowing, well, knowing God's will. How do we find out when God's will is on something? We go to the Word of God. We go to the Bible and we look for it. And then we look to see what His will is according to that. He leaves very little doubt over most things in the Word of God. And you can find his will in there. The other thing is we got to believe that he's a just God. If you believe God's cruel, then you believe about God in a wrong way. 
and you limit him. God's not cruel. He's a just God, and we need to believe that. And we need to know that that God's promises are yes and amen, and that speaks to how just he is. Uh, When we don't deserve things, when we have done so many things wrong, he comes in and he extends grace and mercy to us, and he... He shows us, he, he just, he beckons us back to the word of God. He says, here, come in here. Look at this. I've got promises for you. I want you to come in here and look at them. Now, I want you to know that these promises are yes and amen. And if you look at, well, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it reads, For all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes, and in Christ Jesus, amen, to the glory of God through us. He gave us Jesus so that he could qualify this verse right here. Glory to God. He gave us Jesus to qualify us for all his promises, and they are yes and amen. Let's look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. So in layman's terms, get in the word of God, find out what his will is for the situation that you're in, and then go to him and say, look, I have the confidence. I have found the answer in your word, and I believe it. I am fully convicted. I have faith for it. And I come to you, Lord, expecting for you to honor your word. Mm. And he will do it. And be aware. Keep the verses in context. Okay? If there's a verse before and after, check them. Make sure you don't get things out of context. But have faith to receive what he has for you. Don't, Don't get caught up in if you're worth it or not. Jesus Christ says you are. And he is name above all names. So it doesn't matter what a man on earth tells you or what some foul spirit or devil tells you. Jesus is above it all. And he says you are worthy. So put your feelings aside. Put your physical senses aside. Say, thank you, Lord. And receive it. Don't get caught up in in what you feel at the moment. Because your feelings will lie to you. They will deceive you, betray you. Your feelings are based on this world. And they're based on the God of this world, the devil. Your spirit man, he's based on God. That's why you need to feed the Word of God to your spirit at all times. So let's keep the Word of God before you day and night. The other verse I want you to look at, there's a couple more here. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. It says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Now, this is God speaking. So he, he's talking about having mercy. He's talking about forgiving us our sins. And then he's going on and he's saying, look, on top of that, 
your sins and your lawless deeds? I don't remember. I've forgiven you. The slate's wiped clean. They don't exist anymore. Now, the devil will come to you, and he will try to rehash things that God has forgiven. Don't let him. That's when you just stand strong and you say, look here, in the name of Jesus Christ, Satan, I rebuke you and I command you to leave me. Be gone. And you put it away. Let's look at uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world by lust. That's so good. So he's he's giving us this, these precious and magnificent promises, and we are becoming partakers of the divine nature, of his own nature. So these promises do a work in us. They're not just for our enjoyment, but they do a work in us. And then he's also saying that because of these promises, you're escaping the corruption that is in this world by lust. So you might say, okay, and I'll I'll tell you this right now. So as far as receiving goes, uh, Keith Moore, if you go to his website, go to our, go to truepatriotministries.org. Um, to the neighborhood tab, find Keith Moore, go to his More Life Ministries, go to his website, and look for how to receive anything. It's an audio where you can watch the video if you want. It will help you tremendously in receiving by faith. He does an excellent job teaching on that. So let's move on and let's let's talk about the thief the devil, the enemy, the adversary, whatever you want to call him, and the word that God has for you or your word, okay? And this pertains, first we'll talk about it pertaining to salvation and your relationship with God the Father. So it's and it's important to know and understand why the devil, the thief, why he comes after the word of God that you have received. And this is wonderful. We were just talking about it about this with a wonderful couple today as we fellowshiped and, you know, a very similar, um, similar things happen with, I would say the majority of Christians. And that is you, you have something great happen, something good happen, uh, in the spirit and, or you receive a good word. And the next thing you know, uh, the devil is coming to take it, and you find yourself bickering with your spouse. And and this has happened with my wife and I at different times. We find ourselves getting irritated with one another, and then we stop and we go, "Whoa, wait a minute! None of this makes any sense." Uh, we may be uh, talking about something that is extremely minor, and it gets blown out of proportion, a mountain out of a molehill, and and you stop, and you look at it, and you go, "Whoa, wait a minute!" <laughs> why would something so simple cause us to be so upset? And it's because the, the, the devil is using that to come in there and try to destroy our unity so he can take that word from us. 
he's not interested in me. He, he could care less about me, the devil. He could care less about my wife uh, or anybody in my family, anybody in this earth. He, he doesn't care about the people. He cares about the word because the power is in the word. And that power scares him. So it's important to know and to understand why he comes. He comes for that. Okay, so like last episode, we talked about the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. You've got the seed by the wayside. You've got the the seed in the shallow dirt. And you've got the seed in the thorns. And then you've got the seed in the good soil. Each one of those is where the devil came in and he caused an issue. The one by the wayside, the birds came and they ate it. Well, it never penetrated anything. These these are, are the ones where the devil comes in and steals the word before it can be received. The word being stolen before it can ever be received affects our salvation. Now, once we're saved, it doesn't affect it. But if somebody is unsaved and that word is there and it's it's waiting for them to take it and the devil comes in and gets that word before they do, then it, it postpones, it delays, or may permanently prevent their salvation. And so we need to be aware of that. If you're going to speak the Word of God to somebody, make sure you're ready to walk them through it. Get them, Help them get planted in a church so that they can grow. Uh, don't just get them saved and leave them hanging. So let's talk about the one in the shallow dirt. Now, they could only grow so much, and then the sun shone, and it burned the roots, and they died. So they didn't have enough coverage there to protect them. So, and that's the devil coming in there and stealing the word before he can really get seeded in there and you can comprehend it. Now, with the, the seed that went in the thorns and it grows up and it's choked out by the thorns, it's choked out by the cares of this world. Okay. They, it, it were stunted. We just, maybe we never get beyond the milk, whatever it is. We just don't come into full sons and daughters. And this, this leaves us powerless against the devil's attacks. All right. We, we, at various stages, may be able to resist a little bit. I mean, the initial one, you can't resist anything because you lose salvation or you don't gain salvation because the word was stolen before you could. And then, you know, the other, it's a flash in the pan. You're up and you're gone. And, and the third, it's the cares of the world. So your finances, all those kinds of things, the devil is using them. The enemy is using them to come at you to steal the word of God from you so that you cannot grow into full sons and daughters. And why is full sons and daughters so vital? Because your faith, you know how to mature your faith. You know how to exercise your faith. It's like a muscle. You work to strengthen it, and then you work to maintain it, to care for it. If you receive the word and salvation, then the enemy's still going to try, and he's going to try to prohibit you from becoming a spiritual threat to him by stealing the word, you know, or confusing your mind. Uh, he's going to bury you in the concerns of the world, and and this this takes your focus off of God, and God's the one's got your solution waiting for you. He's the he's the one that puts your focus. The devil, he's the one that puts your focus on the concerns of the world. What the enemy doesn't want you to be 
is, of course, the last example in that parable, which is the good soil, right? And, and this is the one that grows up and bears good fruit. This is the person who values and protects the word of God that he receives, and it grows therein. And it's so good. You want to be that good soil. And you want the word of God growing in you and strengthening in you. And you want to be maturing in the word of God. It's a responsibility that you have. And I know that a lot of people don't want to take responsibility for anything. But I'm telling you people, take responsibility for your spiritual growth. Don't wait on somebody to come to you and say, okay, I see you did A, B, and C. Now I want you to go do D, E, and F. Don't wait. I want you to go to that person and say, hey, I have done A, B, and C. Now, how do I go do D, E, and F? Chase after it. Chase after it so that the blessings of the Lord, so that the promises of the Lord will be yes and amen, and they will pursue you in return. So we talked about the parables, right? So let's look at them real quick. So let's jump down to Matthew chapter 13, and I've got verses 3 through 9, and then we'll go to 18 and 20, 18 through 23. And he, Jesus, spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. That's what we were talking about. Others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Okay? And so the first one we're talking about, that's somebody that, that didn't get saved. Uh, this, the second one here, this is somebody who hit salvation, but maybe we didn't get them planted in a good church. We didn't give them a way to, to take root. Um, in verse 7, it says, Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. Like we said, that was the cares and concerns of the world. The last was, Others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Jesus says, He who has ears, let him hear. Now let's jump to verse 18. Jesus is going to explain to the disciples what this parable means. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one whom the seed was sown beside the road. The one whom the seed was sown on the rocky place. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, Immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word. And the worry of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings brings forth some a hundredfold, 60 and 30. And so we see right there that it affects our salvation and our growth in the Lord, which in turn affects our personal relationship, our intimate relationship with the Father. So what I want to cover next is the armor of God. 
So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. It says, Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your waist girded with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the fiery arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the reason I want to go over the full armor of God is because the Word is present in every piece. And so if the devil can steal the Word from you, then he can come at you while you are extremely vulnerable and open to attack. So it's important that we get these down in us and we start to understand what they are and we make sure they're well cared for. So let's look at... And we're going to go through the verses real quick, and I'll show you. So, 14, having your waist girded with truth. The Word of God is the truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Where does our righteousness come from? We are the righteousness of God by Christ Jesus. It comes through the Word of God. Jesus is the Word. 15, Feet fitted with gospel of peace. Again, the gospel of peace is the word of God. How about the shield of faith? Faith comes by hearing the word. Little faith, little shield. Maximum exposure. So there you go. So your faith. Your faith is your shield. That's good. Now, you got to remember These, so far, this is all defensive. These are all things that protect you. Okay? Now, you notice he's giving you a lot of protection. He gives you one weapon. Okay, so verse 17. Helmet of salvation. That is the word in us. Okay? When when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior... Jesus sends us the Holy Spirit. That's the word coming to indwell us. Now, the sword of the Spirit, that is the word of God. Obviously, if the sword of the Spirit is the word of God and the devil comes and takes the word, he takes the sword. Meaning that you have no offensive weapon, no No way to defeat him. You can defend yourself all day long, but you can't defeat him. That's why the Word of God is so important. We need to make sure not only are we fully protected, but that we have that sword, which is the Word of God. That also means that we can use the Word of God to hurt the enemy, to drive him back. That's what you do with a weapon. You drive them back with your weapon. 
So it's important to know that. We don't want the Word of God slipping away from us. We don't want to be nonchalant about the Word of God. Because if the thief is successful, he's going to leave us totally vulnerable to his attack. Now, if on the other hand, we respect and we honor the Word of God, and we exercise our faith uh, to strengthen it, to increase its size, to master it, so to speak, then we will be filled to overflowing with the Word of God. And we will be able to defeat the enemy's attack and stand in victory. And it will be, I guess, uh, it will be easy. Look, we're not doing the work. The work that we have to do is to protect the Word of God, to receive the Word of God, exercise our faith, protect that Word of God, We have the Holy Spirit in us. That's the power. We have the name of Jesus Christ. That's the authority. And we have God. He's the the ultimate. There is nothing in this world that can defeat God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Nothing. You've got God the Creator standing on your side saying, look, I got you. Let's do this, but let's do it my way. Being filled to overflowing is not something that you can do alone. It takes a well-rounded approach tailored to your learning and your relationship strengths. So you want to read read from the Word each day out loud. If you're new to the Bible, I want you to start in the New Testament in the Psalms and the Proverbs. Now, you need to attend church. Whether it's a house church or a larger assembly is not not uh, as important as the quality of the praise and the worship, the preaching, the teaching, and the fellowship. Because you you don't need to receive quantity as much as you need to receive quality, and we've learned that when you sit under somebody who gives uh, excellent quality, you can get so much more than you do if somebody's just up there speaking the word. Okay. So get started in New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, attend a good church, and, and enjoy the, the fellowship, the praise, the worship, the teaching and the preaching. Enjoy it. Receive it. And, and come prepared. Bring a Bible with you. Whether it's the Bible on your phone or it's a physical Bible. I like the physical Bible um, for the fact that I can write and make notes in it. I can highlight, whereas a digital Bible is handy for, for me, it's handy when I'm, when I'm studying the Word of God and I've got my Bible in front of me, but I want to search for something. I know I've heard it and I need to find it in there and I don't know where to look, so I can use it as a search engine, so to speak. But the apps do have benefits. I'm not going to say they don't, um, but they do. And, and so you want to be prepared. Don't go into church unprepared. Have a notepad, a paper, uh, ink pen, pencil, whatever, and, and be prepared to take notes. Be prepared to receive. Everyone's got a time in their day where they can listen to an audio of some kind, whether it's a CD or an MP3 or a podcast, um, You know, whether it's listening while you're getting ready for work or when you're driving. Maybe you drive a little ways to work and you've got 20 minutes, 30 minutes, of a drive or longer, and you can pop something in and listen to it. You don't have to listen to it all at one time. 
uh, I've got CDs that are extremely long. And so it may take a few days driving back and forth for us to go through the whole CD. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're being fed the word while you're driving. You can do it while you make dinner, et cetera, those kinds of things. You can go to True Patriot Ministries. Uh, .org, and then the Neighborhood tab, and there's links to a few of the ministers that I enjoy listening to. Uh, or you can ask your pastor. He can advise you to some that, that he likes. Someone you fellowship with, you can ask them who they like. Now, I want you to understand, you're not cheating on your church or your pastor by listening to another ministry. If you feel that way, don't. And, and I don't believe that your minister or your pastor would make you feel that way. If they do, there's another is- issue at hand if they're not just looking out for you. Now, and just like my pastor, um, when, when I went to him years ago and said, look, you know, I see you on Sunday and I know you're a busy man and you're not available to sit with me and talk with me on a daily basis. So who are some of the people I can listen to that will help me to grow? Because I'm hungry for the Word. And it's developed into a lifestyle because my wife and I, when we are busy doing things, we're typically listening to something. And so we can get three, four, five hours a day in on audios while our hands are busy doing things. And it's a blessing to us. And so go to your pastor. Most pastors won't tell you don't. Okay. A good pastor is going to tell you, hey, here are the people that I'm aware of that I trust. And you can go through and find them and listen to them. Okay. You're not cheating on your minister. You're not cheating on your church. You're helping because you're growing yourself. You're taking the initiative, the responsibility to get out there and grow yourself. And that's going to pay off for your church. It's going to pay off for your pastor. And this is the last thing I want to cover uh, on faith in this episode is sowing the word into others. We can see by the parable of the sower that we are to sow the seed of Jesus Christ into others. This is your evangelism. We're all uh, witnesses, right, to others. Now, usually this isn't a comfortable thing to do. Uh, it may even be awkward, depending on who you are and what the calling is on your life and, and your giftings. But I have to say the rewards far outweigh the risks. So let's, let's look at a conversation between Peter and Jesus that happened after the rich young ruler walked away from Jesus. And this is in Matthew chapter 19, and we'll start in verse 27 and go to to verse 30. It reads, Then Peter answered him, answered Jesus, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then shall we have? And this question came up because of the rich young ruler. And I would suggest you go back chapter 19 and read the whole chapter, and you'll understand a little bit more. Now, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the regeneration, the resurrection, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 
So there he's, he's talking to a specific 12. And then he goes into and says, and everyone, so now he's talking to everyone, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my name's sake shall, re- shall receive a hundred times as much and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So we see this. So Peter Peter became confused because Jesus walked by and said, Peter, follow me. And Peter jumped out of the boat and he said, okay, I'm going to follow you. He gave up everything he had to follow Jesus. So, you know, so Peter gets nervous here. He's like, wait a minute. You know, if the rich young ruler has got nothing, then what about us? You know, we had less than nothing when we came to you. What What's going to happen with us? And Jesus is trying to reassure him and say, hey, look, for those of you who left anything behind, you left a wife, a mother, a sister, a brother, you left fields, you left boats behind, you left a fishing business behind, any of you that left something behind to come and be with me, I'm telling you, you're going to receive a hundred times as much and you're going to inherit eternal life. So there was a reward there. Part of that reward is going to take place in heaven. But look, part of that reward is going to take place in the earth also. So when you, and, and I'll just touch on this very, very briefly. So when you come into a church, you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You come into a church. You come into a fellowship with an assembly of Christians, with an assembly of believers. Guess what? There's mothers, there's brothers, there's sisters, daughters. Right there in that church. And they're going to receive you and you're going to receive them. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. So you got to remember that. And then fields. You come into the flock, come into the fold of Jesus. You come into the body of Christ, and where you have sown, you shall reap. And so he's saying, look, I got you covered. Just because you're not seeing it in this world as of yet doesn't mean it's not manifesting in the Spirit right now as we speak. And so we need to be aware there are harvests that are going to happen here in this earth. And we're going to have rewards stored up for us in heaven. So in closing, I want to remind you to protect the Word of God. Honor it. Protect it. Protect what you receive. Because the devil, he doesn't want you to have it. You see, it's the Word of God in you that is a threat to him. Because God works in this earth through man. Remember, you are joint heir with Jesus. And as such... You need to approach everything from a position of victory because Jesus secured the victory for us, right? He did all the work. But then when we received him and God received us, he adopted us as full children. We became joint heirs with Jesus. So that victory that Jesus secured, that's our victory. We are joint heirs in it. And so we need to approach things from a position of victory. Thank you for joining me. 
this Sunday. Uh, this was a great message. I enjoyed this very much. I hope you enjoyed it also. I want you to know, when I do these messages, and this is for anybody, any minister out there who does these messages, who who sits down and takes the effort to go through the Word of God to put a sermon out, I want you to know, when we go through these, we are receiving and learning and growing just like you are. We haven't arrived yet. We're still on the earth. Even when we get to heaven, there, there's no, I have arrived. We just move on to greater learning. And if you're a minister or a pastor listening to this and you feel like you're stuck in a rut, shock your system and get out of the rut. Keep growing. Keep growing. God's got more for you, brother. He's got more for you. Step into it. Reach out and take a hold of it. Use your faith. Use your faith. Glory to God. There are some great books out there. Um, one of my favorite faith teachers is Kenneth E. Hagan. You can go to his site, uh, Rama. I believe it's Rama.org. Uh, or go to, like I said, our neighborhood page and go to Rama. He's got a mini book out called uh, What Faith Is. And uh, he's got another book out, the name of which is what to do when faith seems weak and victory lost. It's another excellent source. Keith Moore. He's got faith school. There's a link to it on the website. And I don't know where he's at in that right now. I think he's got over 145 lessons on it. And they're all about 20, 25 minutes. And so you can learn and grow and learn and grow and learn and grow. Um, Like I said, I'm not the end all. I am a source. And as such, what I look for is your well-being spiritually. Okay? And I keep everything in with our vision. And the vision of True Patriot Ministries is edify the, the children of God. Lift them up. Lift up my children, is what the Lord said to me. Lift up my children. And we do that through edification. You have value. Okay? And I will always tell you, you have value. God would not have done what he did with Jesus if he didn't think you were worth it. So you are worth it. Whether you feel like it or not, you have a great value. That's a price that no man can pay for you. Only Jesus could pay the price. Glory to God. And the second part of the vision of True Patriot Ministries is unity in the Church of Christ through Scripture. So it's that transcends denominations. Scripture is what everything is based on. Okay, so we can agree in Scripture. Even if we can't agree outside of the church, we can agree in the church of Christ through Scripture. And the third part of that vision is helping people to learn who they are in Jesus so that their identity is so locked in on Jesus, so solid in who they are in Jesus, that the devil just can't rock their world. I do believe this nation, I was talking with some friends today, I do believe this nation, the United States of America right now, in this world, other nations also, but I'm going to speak directly about the United States of America in this world, it has an identity crisis, and that is the number one problem in this country. We have an identity crisis because we quit basing our identity on Jesus, and we started basing our identity on a million different things 
that have absolutely nothing to do with God. So we need to get back to, and that's why that's such a vital part of my vision. And these are all given to me by God. These are the things he's the part of the call he's put on my life. Help people to know and understand who they are in Jesus Christ. So that they can withstand. They can put on the full armor of God. And they can pull out that sword. And they can defend themselves and they can drive back the enemy. Glory to God. I love you guys. Uh, we're here for you. Reach out to us. You've got the email address. Hit the web page. Click connect. Uh, send us a message. If you got a, a verse, if you have a verse that you like or a group of verses that you really like and you want you want to have them used on the ministry short, then send them to me. And we'll we'll turn around and we'll put them on the ministry short. Um, it may not be right away, okay, but I'll get it on there as soon as I can. promise you that. And like I said, I enjoy these. I learn. I grow. And I hope other other ministers, other pastors are out there. They're learning and they're growing. And, and guys, love on your pastor. He's got a, he or she has a, a difficult job. And sometimes it's a very thankless job. So go love on him. I know we have October is Pastor Appreciation Month, but I'm telling you, every month ought to be Pastor Appreciation Month. Every Every Sunday that you're in church, at a minimum, your pastor should know you love him and that you appreciate what he or she is doing. And, and let them know when they're doing a good job. That's, that's all there is to it. They appreciate it. They need to hear it. There's still men and women. There's still a flesh being on this earth, okay? And, uh, you know, maybe you need to take them out to lunch. Maybe you should invite them over for dinner. I don't know what goes on in your church or how your pastor is or how they behave. Hey, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, and, and you'll never know until you ask. Maybe just maybe there's a special book or Bible that they want. Glory to God. I, I'm telling you, for me, I enjoy these books that I have surrounding me. And, and while I'm particular about the ones that I have, I enjoy them. I truly do. Glory to God, your pastor's got authors out there that he enjoys. He's got a style of Bible that he would like to have, but he he doesn't feel justified in buying it for himself. Something like that. Go ask questions. Ask questions. And, and go bless your pastor. Go bless the minister that's coming in to your church and supplementing what your pastor does. Don't be afraid to sow into these people. They need to know that you are receiving from them, that, that you appreciate and you honor the things of God. So show them that you do. I'll be honest with you. We do the things we do. The, the ones of us who didn't choose this as a vocation, the ones of us who were called to do this, we, we do it because we love God and we want to honor the things of God. And so you need to know that man or that woman standing in the pulpit, greeting you at the door, holding your hand when you go through the grieving process, when you lose somebody, blessing your marriage as he performs the ceremony. Make sure they know you appreciate them. And, and it doesn't always have to be a monetary thing. 
truly, you know, show them your love, your gratitude. Let them know that you're glad they're there. And so it's very easy to overlook the pastor and say, okay, oh, service is over. Football game's in 10 minutes. I got to go. And I've been guilty of it myself in the past, but no more. I've outgrown that. I could literally spend hours visiting with my pastor uh, if time would allow. And so, and I've done it in the past. We've taken him out for ice cream and had it turn into a half a day. He was willing. Okay. Not saying every pastor is going to have that much time. Okay. It just so happened this particular day we had, by the blessing of God, the time to spend together. And I will always cherish and value that time. And I thank him. I thank him often. And he's done a good work and I appreciate it. And so, uh, guys, we love you. And I hope and pray that you have a blessed, blessed and favored Sunday. We cry out to our Father for mercy for our great nation. Forgive this nation, Lord, and have mercy on us. I cry out, Lord, and ask you to mute the voices of the evil and the wicked, Lord, of the deceivers and of those who are deceived. May our nation continue to stand in your glory and in your favor until the catching away of your church. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.